Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Have you ever been in a situation where you weren't quite dressed for the right occasion? Uh, years ago, my, I've got three daughters, and they're grown up now, and um, they, we had date nights with them. I did. I had dad, dad-daughter date nights with them. You're supposed to go, ah, now. Um, and one of the daughters, and I won't say who because some of you know her, and she's very particular about what she wore all the time, and this was date night. We were going to Pizza Hut, and she came down the stairs like a little princess in a pink, frilly dress, beautiful, sparkly, um, plastic, <laughs> I don't know if it was earrings, but bangles, a beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I was in jeans and a t-shirt. And she came down the stairs and I thought, oh, she's so lovely. It's going to be so cute. And she looked at me and said, Daddy, you're not going like that, are you? <laughs> and I had to go and get fully suited up, nothing less than a suit, a shirt and a tie. And so there's me in my formal shirt and tie and suit and this little pink princess, sparkly daughter, walking into Pizza Hut. And, yeah, you can imagine the looks that we had. Some were adoring, some were going, oh, I feel your pain. (laughs) It was great. Um, And in this passage, what we're we're looking at, and what what we're saying is we need to be wearing the right things for the right time. We need to be wearing the right gear for the right occasion. And are we spiritually dressed in the right gear? And Ephesians, as a book, essentially is showing us uh, that God's purpose in bringing everything under Jesus is unfolding just as he planned. And the church is central to what he's doing. Amen? But in this final chapter, we see that this is going to be contested and it's going to be opposed. And so we need to be dressed for the occasion. And Paul reminds us, and like them, that they're like us, they're in a battle. That as we live out the good news of Jesus, as we live out the gospel, as church, we'll face opposition. Not just ordinary opposition either, but very powerful opposition. Sneaky, with subterfuge. And the Bible's clear that when we become a follower of Christ, life is just perfect, it's a bed of roses. Uh, oh no, sorry. It's not like that, is it? We're in a battle. We're in a battle. And we've entered a war and it's not, it's hand-to-hand combat. It's in-your-face stuff, isn't it? And Paul uses this extended sort of military metaphor that we're going to look into in a second to help us understand what the Christian life is like. He says we need armour, and the reason is we're engaged in a deadly spiritual warfare, and we need God's help. Thank you, Jesus. Right, so we're going to, uh, going to I think it's up there, yeah? Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. The armour of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wow. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. 
Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fiercely as I should. And, we'll finish and then there's the final greetings, 21, 24. So what is the nature of the battle we're in? It's spiritual warfare. Paul is saying we've got an enemy who's all, all kinds of cunning, cunning strategies. We're in a battle. We've got to be prepared. It's hand-to-hand combat. And who does Paul say we're struggling with? It's not flesh and blood. But it's principalities and powers. The devil is demons, evil spirits. Sure, the enemy, can the enemy sometimes use people to get to us? Yes. But our struggle is with rulers and authorities. And the enemy uses tactics and schemes. And one of the devil's schemes is to lull us into complacency so that we forget there even is a battle. He loves us to forget, well, it's not really a battle. It's not really a battle, is it? And he loves us to forget that. Most of the time, the opposition is subtle. One of his most effective tactics is to get us to question God's goodness. He tries to tempt us to think God is holding back on us somehow. This is what he does, he's scheming. He causes us to question God's word. He loves to deceive us, and he knows what works. Don't worry, we, we, it gets better. Okay, there is an answer. And it's good news, though, because we're not alone in the battle. Hallelujah. You could easily read this passage and miss this, but Paul isn't actually writing to individuals. He's writing to the church. It's the church. And the warfare is going on right now. Some of us feel it, maybe. And you're part of it. Whether you know it or not, you are part of this battle. And we're all involved. But there's good news. We can stand. We can stand because of Jesus. Over and over again in this passage, Paul tells us to take our stand and to help each other to stand. Isn't that great? We've got each other. So what do we do? How do we defend ourselves? We put on the armour of God. The way we win this battle isn't to excessively focus on the enemy. Some people can do that. But it's to look at and use what we have in our arsenal. Paul doesn't just say to be strong here. He says we need to be strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. What does this mean? It means we put on his armour. We need God's strength in verse 10. We need God's armour in verses 11 through to 17. And we need to pray. That's what we need. Whose armour is this? It's the armour of God. Not just the armour that God provides for us. It's his armour. God himself puts on armour, goes to battle against his enemies. What does it mean? Well, it meant for the Jewish people, it meant that they came to understand that God himself would intervene in this world on behalf of his people. That's what it meant. God himself would come, win victory over evil. And of course, that's exactly what happened. God himself came in the person of Jesus Christ and he is with us by his Holy Spirit. He has come. 
So what does Paul say? What do we do then? So what is this armour? We're going to have a look through briefly at some of the, and all of it, but we're going to look through. We're going to whiz through it, hopefully. <laughs> we'll get to the end. The belt of truth, Paul says, to put it on. See, in the Bible times, the girdle around the waist held together all the soldiers' garments, which could restrict his movements while fighting. And the significance of that is that God does not simply want us to point at the truth. He wants us to know it. He wants us to wear the truth. Because we can, we can see the truth. We can point to the truth. But he's saying, here, I want you to know the truth. I want you to wear it. I want you to have it wrapped around you. And it, it refers to the truths of the Bible as opposed to the lies of the enemy. See, Satan is called the father of lies. He loves to lie to us. And Jesus said in John 8, you, you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's not the truth will make you free. It's you will know the truth and knowing the truth will make you free. And we know the truth when we recognise it. It's like when bank tellers, you know, they can tell a fake, some, a fake note. They don't study the fake notes. They study all the real stuff. So they know this is real. That's not real. We study the word of God. We know the word of God. Not only does the belt hold everything in place, but it also serves to carry the sheath that holds the sword of the spirit. So the word holds the spirit, and the spirit word as defense and sword as an offense, and we'll look at that later. So that's the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness is a layer of metal, or sometimes very tough leather, that cover the soldier from the neck to the thigh, usually come in two pieces, one to cover the front, Many of them will cover the back. Some, some people say it didn't cover the back. But actually, many of them did cover the back. And it was, like, it was like the ancient version of a bulletproof vest, if you like. Protects our hearts. The enemy wants to target our hearts. Is after our heart. The breastplate of righteousness. And see, to stop being pinched by these moving metal plates, the soldiers wore a sturdy robe underneath the armour. In other words, wearing the breastplate of righteousness is always in partnership with the robe of Jesus' righteousness. Isn't that amazing? See, I put on righteousness and it clothed me, it says in Job 29. So we've got a robe of righteousness underneath the breastplate. It's the righteousness. So that even in the high priest in the Jewish temple wore a golden breastplate over his linen robe that was set with 12 precious stones inscribed with the names of the tribes of Israel on it. This place represented nearness to the heart. Nearness to the heart. So we can experience victory in battle against the devil through confidence that the righteousness of Jesus covers our hearts and we're forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? It's amazing. He's so good. The feet that are fitted with the gospel of peace. In the Bible, the feet... Talks about what? It's a direction. The walk of a person's life. Having our, sh our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace gives us good footing and prevents us slipping. So we live it. As we live it, as we become involved in spreading the gospel and the good news of Jesus, it strengthens us and it strengthens others against the enemy's attack. You know, having good footing in a fight is essential for victory. Just slipping around all over the place. It doesn't help. Otherwise, we're prone to slide. Notice that it says there are the feet of peace. 
This combats the fear the enemy would try and subdue us with. He tries to subdue us with fear. Don't know if you know in the, the moment in the atmosphere, the media and everywhere, it's fear. Have you sensed that a little bit? Or maybe a lot? Fear, fear, fear. What's the next thing that we're going to be afraid of? Now, some things we need to consider these things, but there's fear. It's like fear-mongering. I'm thinking, hang on a minute. But the shoes fitted with the gospel of good news and peace combat fear. They don't ignore issues, but they combat fear. Because faith combats fear, doesn't it? So having a good footing. Because fear is the opposite of faith, and it can cripple us. But if our feet are fitted with good news, in Isaiah 52 it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. These feet are welcomed, and they're sure about what they proclaim. What about the shield of faith? We're just rattling through these. This is good, this is good there's so much in here. The shield of faith. The shield of faith that we're talking about, this was big. It was the size of a door. I don't know if it's... Now, I put that because it reminds me of one of my daughters. Uh, not that one. <laughs> the one before. <laughs> it was as big as a door. I mean, look at that. I mean, that's a shield. It's not the one that the girl was having. It's not like that. It's not that one. There are different shields. It was about four feet high, two feet wide. It was big enough that you could crouch behind it and be completely protected. They were in formation. But it was also offensive. They could actually move forward. And the Apostle Paul tells us to take up our shields. It's a shield of faith. So what Paul is saying is that faith is our defence when we're under attack. When we help us, it will help us in advance. Faith is putting, what is faith? Faith is putting all our weight in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. It's believing what God says is true of us, but it's more important than that. It's laying hold of what God says is true. It's laying hold of his promises and his resources along with who he says we are in Jesus and then living that out in reality. That's what the shield of faith is. This is who I am. This is what God's done. We're going to move forward in faith. We believe him. We believe his word. We believe what he says. We believe what he's doing in me. Hallelujah. Shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. You can tell what the enemy fears about your life by recognising where he attacks. So where you're being attacked, he knows. He's he's afraid of that bit. He attacks what's a threat to him. He gets us to turn our gaze and thoughts inward instead of upward. The most common attacker is questions. He wants you to... uh, to ask questions that lead to deception and unbelief. He'll question you. You ever felt that? See, he doesn't start with a huge lie when he attacks us. He starts with a distortion of reality or truth. You see, when Jesus asks questions, it brings us closer to him, doesn't it? When the word asks us to gain a better understanding of who he is. But when the devil does that, it's deception and lies to move us away. In the Garden of Eden... They had everything. And the first temptation wasn't eating the forbidden fruit. It was to question what God had said. Did God really say this? Did he really? Oh, I don't know. This is see the subtlety. Gets us to question God's faithfulness. Has God really said? So the key is to know what God has said and to believe it. So what, God has, what has God said? What has God said to you? What's he saying to you? 
The helmet of salvation protects what comes towards our head in our thinking. But also the belt of truth is under attack because it holds everything together. See, the purpose of the helmet of salvation is not only to keep thoughts out, but also to keep your head in, keep your brains in, to keep your head safe. Not just, we're not going to be open to everything. You've maybe heard the phrase of, be careful what you let land in your thinking. Guarding your heart and your mind, renewing your mind. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit, wow. The sword of the spirit, I haven't got any, sorry, I, I, I'm not very good at PowerPoints, so. Just like. um, there's, def, there's, there's both defensive and offensive. When I was, many, many years ago, some of you don't believe this, I used to be a biker. Did you pull? Yes. I had motorbikes. And there was one time where I got arrested and de-arrested because, um, in quite quick succession, I hasten to add, <laughs> because I was driving and I had a, a bike, bike chain around me. And that was an offensive weapon, apparently. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I sort of might have known. Um, and the sword is both defensive and offensive, because it's double-edged. It's the most common weapon in battle. Now, the word for sword in this context is machira, and it's 19-inch, razor-sharp, double-sided, with a hook at the end. <sighs> Nasty piece of work. That's what we're It's not a little... Ooh, ooh, bit of truth, bit of truth. This is a 19-inch, huge thing. It's not massive. Sword is primarily an offensive weapon. Both. In fact, the sword of God's word is what Jesus used against the devil. When Jesus said, I do not come to bring peace but a sword, he was not saying that he, the prince of peace, had come to start wars. What was he saying? He was saying, I'm pointing out the sword of God's word has a dividing effect. I've come to bring a sword of the word, the spirit of God. And Paul says the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And the word here is taken from the Greek rima, the most familiar word in the New Testament, describes something that is spoken clearly, the spoken word of God. Unmistakable, vivid, undeniable, unquestionable, certain, definite in its terms, the spoken word of God. So the belt was the written word of God and the truth of spirit was the spoken word of God. Remember, they're inseparable. The sword rested on the clip from the loin belt around the soldier's waist. The belt was representative of the written word of God. The written word of God, the logos, is the primary source of the rima, the spoken word of God. You can't have one without the other. How can you speak the word if you don't know the written word, it's important. <coughs> Excuse me. So these words are given by the Holy Spirit, these spoken words. They're supernaturally empowered by him to enable us to withstand the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the physical attacks of the enemy. But we have to know the word. Jesus did it. He was an example when he was taken to the desert. The word says, the word says this. It's spoken. It is written. It is written. Uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> and a sword, unused, what happens to that? Well, it can become dull. It become rusty. It can become pitted. <coughs> Excuse me. Also, swords can be dulled through use. We use a sword a lot. It can be a bit dulled through use. So we have to sharpen it. 
We have to sharpen the word. Frequent use. Honing them against the stone or another friend's sword. That's how they did it. Iron sharpens iron. Heard that? So I'm going to borrow your sword and we're going to just put the edges together. Both swords will be sharpened because we're iron sharpening iron. That's where that phrase comes from. We're sharpening the word of God in us so we can be more effective. Isn't that great? That's what we need each other. That's what we need each other. The spirit of work, a spirit at work in us and through us. And then finally it says, covering everything in prayer and be alert. <coughs> be alert. There's that funny phrase, wasn't it, years ago, be alert. The world needs alerts, yeah. Sorry, it's an old joke. It's not even a joke, is it, really? I don't know what it is. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't, he said it, not me. So. Yeah. <laughs> so we need our backs covered. Now, uh, we, it was assumed that the soldiers would not turn their backs towards the enemy and retreat. That's what was assumed, certainly in the Roman army. There was no retreat. God has our back either way, but we're also called to have each other's back. That's what church is. Even the best of armour is almost useless if the soldiers are found dozing. There's a sudden attack. We're all just asleep. And we're not aware there's a battle. We're not aware there's an imminent attack. What happens? We lose. So it says, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Does that mean we have to pray non-stop 24-7? You may want to do that. If you've got the time, I'm not sure we have the time, do we, to do that? I don't think it's saying that. It means that being constantly aware of God's presence and that there is an enemy stalking us. So how we defend ourselves from Satan's attack by trusting at a practical level what's true about God and what's true about us as a consequence of who he is and what he's done. Amen. He's blessed us. What has he done? Let's think. What has he done for us? He's blessed us. He's chosen us. He's predestined and adopted us. He's given us an inheritance. He's redeemed and forgiven us. He's lavished his grace upon us. He's made his intentions known to us. He's sealed us in Christ by the Spirit. Is there anything else that we need him to do? (laughs) He's done everything. And so... Where are we being attacked? A question I want to ask is, what, what's the fiery darts that are coming our way? What truths about God, his greatness, his gloriousness, his goodness, his graciousness, what are those truths can you lean into today? What are you leaning into? So just in conclusion, really, I want to wrap up. In, we're in a battle. I think that's obvious. We need to be dressed correctly and put on and take up all the armour of God. It's his armour And he fights for us. We put it on, we take it up. We use the truth of what he has already accomplished. And the attacks are directed towards yet individuals, but as church. So we need to cover each other. And we need to pray for the gospel to move forward. The great news is that the weakest among us can be strong in Jesus because of what he's done on the cross. Hallelujah. We can trust in his work. And believe that he has abundant strength for us. He has everything we need. He has got everything you need. Why don't you just say that to yourself? You don't have to speak it out loud. Just say it to yourself. He has everything I need. 
Amen. It's true. He is everything we need. We can draw on that strength. We can know the greatness of his power and live in his reality. So as church, as a body, we keep coming back to the reality of what Jesus has done for us. He has done for us what we can't do. He has done it. We want to keep coming back to the gospel because in the end it's all about the goodness of Jesus and how that's contested. We fill our minds with what he's done and then we live in that reality. Hallelujah. Isn't God so good? Isn't he great? Just, like I said, just, just a rush through looking at some of these things but there's so much in there. So some questions that I want to just throw out to you. Which bits of armour are maybe we missing at the moment or not put on properly? Just think about that. Some of the armour, are you missing? You think, I've looked through, heard some of this armour today, and I think, that one's a little bit, I'm not sure if I've got that one on properly. Is there a heart issue, for example? Is there something in our thinking? Do we need to be freshly ready to run with the good news again? Do we know, we know the gospel, we know, we know the good news of Jesus, but are we running that? Are we expressing that to others around us so I just want to ask you for that to just think about that and then the next thing is if you have a battle that's particularly difficult for you at the moment just speak to a person you know next to you or someone you trust here and it'd be great to pray for each other I think because that's the encouragement as a body we look after each other we have each other's back so maybe just think now, and maybe you're not used to doing this, but so it might be outside your comfort zone, but you know what? We're in a battle. It's going to be uncomfortable. So it's together, which is not uncomfortable, it's just church. We're all for each other. We all love each other. We're here for him. So if you've got a battle that's difficult, if you're in a, you know there's something going on at the moment, I, mean, I could pray for you, but this is about being the body together. It's not about being the man of prayer. It's about us praying together. And then, when it says pray for the believers, there's one particular one I'd love us to pray for corporately. I want us to pray for Ukraine. Um, I'm, I'm, I, there's, a, there's a personal element to that. Um, my, one of my daughters is engaged. She's Ukrainian. He's over there, can't leave. His brother's fighting. It's not good. She's with us at the moment. She should be getting married in a week's time. That's not happening. Now, when you have a personal connection on that, suddenly these things, you, your prayer life changes. You know, there's other things going on in the world, you pray, but when there's that connection, personally. But I'd love us to pray, you know, it says pray for the, let's pray for the believers over there. Because they're doing some amazing things which we don't hear about actually. Just remind us again, what bits of armour might be missing or not put on? Is there a battle going on at the moment that you just need some prayer for?